0: I wanted to jump in very quickly before you enjoy the edition of 15 minutes with a mentor to tell you about the newsletter that we recently launched at recruitment mentors a few weeks ago it's called limitless learning and the whole premise and and, and purpose of it is to directly send you practical advice tips and tactics directly into your inbox that can help you improve as a recruiter the feedback so far from the three editions that we've released have been fantastic for example the last edition was on five questions you can ask on a business development call and why and i want to tell you about it so you can join it. you can subscribe completely free you can go to recruitmentmentors.com forward slash Limitless learning. That's recruitmentmentors.com forward slash limitless learning. Or you can go on recruitmentmentors.com and you'll get hit with one of those pop up messages where you can sign up. But I want to tell you about it. If you're here to learn and develop, then why not get direct tips and advice directly into your inbox? So sign up and join the thousands of other recruiters that already signed up that are motivated to be better. Than yesterday. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors podcast. My name is Hisha Mazuz. This is another edition of the 15 Minutes of a Mentor series where we interview some of the brilliant mentors that we've onboarded and welcome to the Recruitment Mentors community platform. In this series, what we simply do is ask seven questions in 15 minutes to find out things like what these mentors' biggest challenges have been, how they've overcome them, and also ask questions like what's been their most effective way of winning business. So I'm really delighted to be joined by Steph today. But before I ask Steph the first question, Steph, if you could introduce yourself for those that may not know who you are, and then we'll
1: we'll get into it. Thank you, Hisham. Thanks for having me. Um, so I own a recruitment company called Educate Staffing. Um, we've been running now for five years. Um, I started it alongside my business partner, who's an investor. Um, so started it on my own, did the whole payroll, everything included in it. Um, and previous to that, I worked for another company for about three years um, and somewhere else. So Educate Staffing is an elite consultancy. And um, we recruit for the education sector, London and Manchester. And um, it's elite in the sense that everything that we do is about excellence and, you know, inspiring everybody that's involved in education staff and not just internally in the business, but externally as well with teachers, with teaching assistants. Um, And yeah, today it's been an amazing journey and we've got, you know, so far to go with it as well.
0: Amazing, love it. So first question I have for you is, what has been your biggest challenge so far this year and how have you overcome it?
1: Okay, so 2021, we're four months in, um, biggest challenge was the change in market for us. So quite specifically for us, schools closed in January and that was something that came as a little bit of a shock. So so with COVID, that yeah, I'd say that, that 100% has been the biggest challenge. And within that, it, instead of us kind of saying, right, do you know what? I'm going to put my tools down and wait for, for schools to reopen. We diversified and decided that well, what can we do with what is there within the market right now and how, how can we prepare? And so we spent some time um, recruiting for private nurseries and brought in a lot of perm revenue in that time. And we also prepared the candidates that we had been working with and that we wanted to then bring on for when schools were going to return. Um and I th- I think being able to diversify in that way made that challenge actually a really exciting one. And we overcame it really well, having had the biggest march that we've we've ever had.
0: Amazing. Good that that's absolutely love hearing that. So, so my next question is, and I'm sure you've seen some of these uh Polls flying around on LinkedIn, so I I generally am curious, and I think a lot of people are. So from your from your lens, obviously you support the education sector, but also from you being a business owner, like how how do you see the future of work? Is it a fully remote world? Is it a hybrid? Is it back in the office? Like I don't know what what do you think the future of the work looks like, and why?
1: I think that it's going to be different, hundred percent. Um, and I think that working from home, people have proved now that it's possible and they can do it um and it it is very and you this has been banded around a lot you know it is very dependent on the person I think a recruitment environment on the sales side of it buzzes off the atmosphere of the people around you you know when you have a set when when there's a deal or when you're doing um business development calls if you're around other people and you're not necessarily a self star you're not hugely self-motivated you need other people to create that environment so I think I. I would say that the future is that yes working from home is possible but for a a recruitment business it isn't something that I would say would be able to be possible 5 days a week I don't think the outcome of what would be achieved would be as high
0: Yeah interesting So next question is what what so far has been the most effective way for you and your team to to win business
1: So this year or would you say generally
0: I would let's just go let's keep it current so the last six to 12 months what would you say has been the most effective way for you guys to win business
1: so it's been difficult to see clients but that is still the most the the, the most important way um we have had zoom meetings and yes they're great but they're not as effective for seeing as people in person so I'd still stand by um you know where that is possible. That being the most effective way to be able to to bring on new business. Um, our conversion rate from meeting a client to actually working with them is seventy two percent. So it's that that hasn't changed. But what has happened is that we now can't do that as much. Um, it's not as easy to book a face to face visit. So in with that in mind. What comes second to that is the personal touches. So if you're having a Zoom meeting with somebody, if you're having a you know a business development call over the phone, okay, actually, how can that be as close to that face-to-face meeting as possible and putting in the personal touches? So what's been successful mm. from that is making sure that you're setting time aside with that client to say, look, this call is going to be 30 minutes um, and through this, this is what you're going to get out of that phone call and then following up so maybe even if you're sending something in the post to them something which is really personal which you weren't able to achieve because it's been over the phone instead of that face-to-face but you can still achieve it in a sense by doing other stuff um so yeah just in summary face-to-face communication number one where that's not possible having that that longer chat with a client and having those follow-ups that provide that personal touch that enable you to build that relationship with them
0: I love that. So I'm going to be a bit cheeky here and just ask something around this. So you said, I love I love the that you brought data into it and you clean all your numbers, which is super important. So I guess maybe people would then want me to ask, okay, well, what has been then the most effective way for you guys to get that first meeting, which is so crucial and, and, and really valuable?
1: So it depends on the recruiter. So what we use is Um, something called goals and quotas. And for each individual person, you might have one person that has to make five client BD calls and they book a visit. And you might have another consultant that has to make 20 and they can book a visit. But the most important thing within that is you have to get on the phone and speak to clients. Now, I I don't know an environment where it's not possible to get through to a client. Don't get me wrong, it can be hard. But then you look at the output. Well, does it take you 30 calls to then get through to the client to then actually have to to get through to the decision maker? So picking up the phone is number one. Knowing who you're speaking to and potentially having to research before you pick up that phone call, depending on the market that you're in, may also be an essential ingredient. It just depends on your um, capabilities. And that's something that for me as a recruiter, uh, and I still recruit now, is I'll look at my own capabilities week on week and review, okay, this week this it took me this many calls well okay I only want to make five calls and I want that I want to get this result so well how do I make those phone calls better but if you're if you don't have that capability and you're just bashing the phone okay well then I need to do 10 more phone calls
0: yeah okay I love that yes yeah, it's, it's specific isn't it but I think what you've highlighted there is you need to understand what you need to do to to get to get that and it's unique to you so I love that. So the, the next thing that I want to ask you, Steph, is I want to, I want to cast you back to 2011. How old was you then?
1: Um, oh yeah, that's 10 years ago. I'm 31. I'm tw- uh, I was 21 then. Yeah. I just think I just started recruitment then.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what is to do with my question. So 21 year old oh. <laughs> Steph, going into recruitment, what would you say to that 21 year old Steph? What, what advice would you give her?
1: um do your research and so depending on which point you're in if it's that you've imagining then that you've just gone into recruitment um Mm. it is going to be prepare yourself it's going to be the hardest year to two years of your career it's not going to be oh yeah recruitment's easy like you just pick up the phone you make a few calls if you want to do well as a recruiter then you need to be oh can you hear me okay i didn't freeze did i
0: Yeah yeah no yeah I can hear you fine.
1: Okay perfect um so in your first year to two years it will be um and should be the the hardest that you've ever worked because you're coming into something that you don't know anything about so you need to prepare yourself you need to research you need to find your drive find your resilience and have fun.
0: Love it love that so my next question is a bit more um it's a bit more informative, I think, is the word. So, what I what I want to hear from you, and we've all heard them and we all have them. So, I've I've put the word funniest, but it doesn't have to be the funniest. It could be the most memorable, or we could go with funniest. But what has been the sort of funniest candidate excuse that you've ever heard so far in your career?
1: Oh my god! It's <laughs> uh, the why they can't go to work.
0: Yeah, just it could be an excuse why they can't attend an interview. Could be just an excuse you're like not sure if that's a genuine one oh and it's my memorable god memorable be funny so,
1: yeah there's so many um what's called be the most memorable um oh I, I honestly have had somebody say to me um i can't leave the house because my dog i, I can't get out of the house and I, and I was like what what do you mean your dog and they're like i can't get out of the, out of the front door I'm not even, and I was like, okay, so um, like I'm struggling to understand. So you you can't get, can you move the dog? Can you like go out the back door? Like, no, no, I can't. I can't. And then, and then it was just like radio silence. I think that has got to be the oddest. I mean, it's it's just weird. It's not even. It's just like. I, I don't. I don't know. And I, I questioned my my ability to be able to find candidates at that point. I was like, who have I even res- <laughs> resourced for this role?
0: <laughs> yeah, because that's what I thought straight away. As you said that story, I was like, what do you mean? Because of the dog, like are they saying, like their dogs become a guard dog and they can't get past the door, or. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, and they weren't even explaining it. And then, and I just thought to myself, like, they've maybe they've just woken up in the morning and thought, "I can't go." What, what excuse can I think of, and what's like unique? I don't know. Very, very, very odds. <laughs>
0: That's brilliant, right? So, ne- next question is a bit more of a scenario, and I just want to hear how you would sort of approach this scenario, which is a really common scenario that a lot of recruiters face and find themselves uh, in. So, um, I want you to think that you've basically being able to get hold of a particular business so a business that you've sort of had you on your target client list for some time you feel really confident you can help them they're a great brand that you want to be involved with um and they finally buy maybe through a mail short you expect in the cv but um you get some time booked in with the relevant person the decision maker at that business you prepare for the call the call's going well, you're building that rapport, but when it gets to crunch time on, okay, like, let's talk about next steps. Let's talk about how much your fees are, or rates are, um, you get hit with the typical, look, Steph, at the moment, we only work with agencies on the PSL. It, it's been great chatting to you, but let, let's stay in touch. So I just want to hear how would you sort of approach and navigate that conversation?
1: Okay yeah really good question and like every recruiter will find themselves here at some point 100%. Um yeah. so first of all from that conversation that you've already had you should have established a little bit about their recruitment process and how they work. Um so from what you've said already you know that they've got a PSL. Um so I would have identified or go on to identify um okay so when that PSL isn't able to fulfill your requirements what do you do then? Um, so that's the first thing, because what you want to try and understand is if they have, can they go, go outside of the PSL? If they're going to shut you down and immediately say no, say, OK, and you can kind of come back to that. But you've got that note of, right, they're kind of thinking that they've got to work on the PSL. A lot of the time with clients, it might be that they just don't know that they can go outside the PSL. So it could be worth considering what their job role is. Um, so depending on their hierarchy of, of the business understanding, is that their decision? So ideally, mm. from the research that you would have done, you know if they'll be able to like know, uh, answer that or not. So the research before the call is really important. Um, so if, if you're then at a point where they're like, you know, we 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 can't go outside the PSL, um, okay, no problem. So outside of that, um, when you can't fulfill on the PSL, you know, you you go back to the PSL and you keep looking. It's never happened or something like that. So we're stuck yeah. on the PSL. So so then we go down. Okay, so um, you wouldn't have. We want to identify within that, first of all, and just taking it back a little bit. Okay, so what is your recruitment process? So, yes, they've got a PSL, but how does that work? Are there there 10 recruiters on it? Do they go to all of them? Do they go to one? And then when you've got that information to be able to identify what that recruitment process is, then you've got something to work with because they could say to you, for example, um, there's 50 recruiters on the PSL and um, I send it to all of them, the job. And they're like, okay, great. So w- when you get that response back, what's that like for you? And then you mm. start to identify their time. So it might be an, an element of, for example, again, and this is dependent on how the conversation goes, you should be taking notes as you're going, because you need to come back and revisit that stuff, which helps you close. So um, they might have said, well, we get we get about 10 CVs from each agency and it probably takes me um, a couple of hours to go through the CVs. OK, cool. So you've got that. They're spending a couple of hours going through all of these CVs. So that time already is their money lost. Um, and, and so then once you've identified, ent- identified that recruitment process, then you look at, right, well, they've shortlisted. Out of those applicants, how many people do you hire? Um, OK, well, we interview actually all of them. And then we've we've hired on on um I'm not really sure maybe it could maybe they could say to you they hire um fifty percent of the people so depending on what they come back with and what information you get again that's that's what you've got to play with because you can't yeah. you can't sell off the back of anything without knowing what their their pain and their problem is and so yeah. so hopefully again we've identified that in the beginning part of the conversation so when they say to you well yeah we can't use you because we're because of the PSL you can say okay great get that so there's two avenues that I can discuss here with you one okay I'd love to be part of the PSL but what I don't want to do is cost you more time and more money I want to save you money I'm a specialist in what I do and this is how I'm going to be able to do that for you and then that's when you go into right actually so you've said to me, you spend two hours here. If I said to you that I was going to send you free CVs and the quality of those CVs was going to be that every time I send you the suitable candidates, you have you, you hire. And you only have to spend 10 minutes of your time, shortlisting out of those three, and then you interview one of them. That means out of your whole week, when you say to me, you have to recruit two people a week, that's going to save you this amount of time. Um, yeah. and, and actually, your hire rate is already going to be at this. And so. And then you then you propose the question. How does that sound to you? And then mm. if they come back with further reservations, then you work off again. Okay, yeah, so yeah. what their reservations are, you've you've got that recruitment process. So it just makes it a little harder for them to come back and be like, I don't want to work with you.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. Great. Great. Thank you for going into that i think yeah information uh, uh, gathering information asking the right questions yeah i think that was great so thank you so final i've got final question for you we were talking a bit about this before we started recording this so my final question is what non negotiable do you live by each day that you feel has had or continues to have a massive impact on your productivity and helps you maximize every day and recruitment
1: relationships um and what I mean by that is that you can never forget to continue to build relationships. So if you've brought on a new client or you've got a grade, you know, an A star candidate, you have to speak to them and you can't forget Mm. about them. So beyond everything is you can't move forward in, in recruitment without, um, without strong solidified relationships.
0: And then I guess, so on that, so what so yeah cool so that that's great I guess what maybe I didn't make the question clear sorry said so, absolutely so doubling down on relationships got that yeah but what I was interested to hear from you you're you're um you run your own business there's a lot of hats you have to wear you're time poor so I wanted to also know what like non-negotiables do you live by that you think really impacts your productivity um and helps you get okay. the most out of each day
1: ah oh, okay get it get it um planning um Mm. because time management when you have to wear so many hats as a business owner is um like everyone has 24 hours in a day but why is your 24 hours way more effective because you get enough sleep you manage your time you spend time planning and within that you don't do everything because it's not possible but you do the most important things
0: Mm. do you plan just before we finish do you plan your day does your day start the night before?
1: Um, yes and no. So I plan my week on a Sunday and then I replan every day, either the night before. But if my day's gone gone a bit crazy in the e- and I'm having to still feel shifts and stuff in the evening, then I will replan it in the morning. But otherwise, the night right. before.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that that's like the goal. Like I, that's something that I've done consistently now for some time. And whenever I don't, I instantly regret it like just, 100%. It's just um, yeah it's just such a game changer
1: yeah um, so a hundred percent you just get so much more out of your day that's like quality stuff
0: mm, yeah Steph that was uh 50 minutes of a mentor thank you so much
1: thank you <laughs>